doing things a little bit differently this week. As, as most of you are well aware, two weeks ago, um, our friend and congregation member, Stu Yarnley, passed away suddenly. And we know that a lot of you guys are, are, are struggling to process that. And just um, it's just such a shock to the system and, and just, um, you know, we're having to grieve the loss of a beloved friend and a member of our congregation. And Stu is well known in the community. As I've been um, going around the community, I've had lots of farmers talking to me about it. And we thought, we thought that we'd just get a, a discussion going. We've got four members of Zion Church here. We've got, um, we've got Phil Strong, Pastor Phil Strong, Conlon, and we've got Deborah, my wife. Um, and we're just gonna discuss grief um, and where God fits into it. And I just want to start with a scripture. And this is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. And it's when Jesus is talking about the Beatitudes. He's talking about um, blessed are various things. And he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And so mourning and grief is actually a part of life. And Jesus doesn't say that we're not going to have it. But he, he does say that there is a blessing upon it. And that if you are grieving, he is going to comfort you. So that's why we've got Phil here. He's going to talk about it from the spiritual point of view. Laura's going to talk about it from the more professional point of view. And Deborah's um, got a personal testimony about it. So what we might do is start with Deborah. Um, and can you just talk about the time when your dad died, Deborah? Okay, well, um, my dad passed away uh, be about 23 years ago. Um, I was in my late 20s uh, when he passed away. Um, when he had actually been sick for probably about five years, maybe even a little bit longer before that. At the beginning, uh, when we first um, knew, it, it, it originally thought he might have Alzheimer's. Um, and um, it took a while before they realized that he was stroking. At the beginning of that time, I, I really, um, as I was dealing with trying to come to terms with that and what the repercussions of that were, I had to make some choices. I had to choose, was I going to uh, be angry with God or was I going to um, come to God and and uh, allow him to actually comfort me, to guide me, um, to you know, just to to dive into his word and, and get some answers. You know, in, in that anger, I would have blocked God out and and not gone to him for answers or gone to him for comfort. But I chose at that time that I was actually going to um, rather than blame God, go to him for comfort and go to him for whatever answers I could get. Um, the, the other choice that I also made was, um, I really had to decide how I was going to pray for my dad. And I came to the conclusion quite early in the piece that um, it was actually more important to me uh, to actually pray for his spiritual um, well-being. Um, that was 
the key one for me. I needed to have reassurance of uh, where he was going to be in eternity. Um, also his emotional well-being. Um, and yeah, if physical would have been great, but I, I really, really felt that it was more important to know where he was going to be this side of, um, you know, when he passed away. And also um, early on in that, at that stage, um, he was actually quite depressed when he, he first got, got that diagnosis um, or at the time that I can remember. So I can remember quite early on, um, I actually just really had it on my heart because he was depressed to actually pray for him. And it was actually quite um, nerve wracking for me to actually go and say to him, hey, look, dad, um, can I pray for you? And and he, he was open to it. Um, I do come from a Christian background. Um, and I went and prayed for him. And, you know, at that time, when I say that he was depressed, um, the symptoms that I was seeing was someone who really was lacking in emotion. He wasn't happy. He wasn't sad. It was a real lack of emotion there. And so when I went and prayed for him, um, I noticed after that time, he started to feel happy about things, to feel sad about things. And it was great to see that emotion coming out again. Um, and the other thing that I really, really learned um, early on um, was that it was really important um, to know what was going to matter to me when he passed on. Um, and so I um, made sure that the things that I wanted to say to my dad, I said. And um, I made sure I told him myself, you know, how much I loved him, how much I appreciated everything that he'd done for me, the upbringing I'd had, who he was, I knew he loved me, um, those sorts of things. We did things like um, they lived in Fidianga at that time. We, we went for a walk into Cathedral Cove, which was a big achievement because by um, this is later on in the piece, he'd had a stroke, a, a massive stroke by then. Um, and he walked in and, and did that. Um, there were things that, you know, that were really important. Another experience for me was to have two friends that had um, breast cancer. And one of the things, you know, I spoke to them both in that time and I said to them, make sure you do the things that are really, um, that your kids can hold on to and that are memories. Now I know with Stu, you can't, you can't go and do those things now, but I think the significant thing, the thing that we can learn from the shock of this is that um, you don't know how long any of us have got and the things that you need to say to people, the things that are important, don't wait till tomorrow to tell people that you care about, that you so love good. them. Don't wait for tomorrow to do things that are really important to you. Um, you know, especially if your parents are aging, um, you know, there are things. And, and I've found even with an, a, uh, an aging parent, sometimes you've got to decide what's important and what's not. Mm. Um, is this little disagreement that you've had really significant? Can you afford to hold on to, to your um, annoyance or whatever mm. uh, for too long? You know, these sorts of things. You know, you've got to have a short account. And um, 
So those were the sort of things that I really learned. And, and that was one of the things that I passed on to my friends that had cancer was I just said to them, for your, the people that are left behind, it's going to be really important that you have done the things that are memorable for them, the things that they can look back on and remember that you've said the things you want to say, that you've, if there's been any disagreements in the family, make sure that those have been sorted. Um, those sort of things are, are really important. Um, my dad um, did actually, he'd been sick for quite a while, but he actually, um, you know, in the year prior to his passing, he, um, he, he had been, you know, bedridden. And then suddenly um, in the last sort of maybe month or something before he passed, I'm, I can't remember what the time frame was, um, he was well again and they went on holiday. That was something that he'd really, really wanted to do. And they were in the, down in the South Island. And we knew that chances were that he could pass away in that time. But it was still a real shock for us to get a phone call um, probably about a week later. And um, he'd passed away like mum hadn't even been there. He'd just collapsed and passed away. And it was a real shock for us all. And I don't think you can ever entirely prepare for these things. You can, you can know something's happening, but it's always going to be a shock. Um, I don't think your mind, um, I don't know, that's been my experience. There might be other people that have had a different experience. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the other things I say in saying that, that's my experience is, um, you know, my siblings and I all grieved in a different way. And, um, and we all experienced grief. There were times where I just needed to laugh. You know, I just needed some release. Um, you know, there are times that you need to cry. There's times that you're, you're going to be angry. And, um, and everybody ex expresses and experiences grief in different ways. So, um, yeah. I think that's a really good point. Like, uh, as an example, I... Uh, spoke to Richard who's known in our church community on the weekend uh, or during the week because he was quite close to Stu and I was I was concerned uh, from a collegial friend point of view and he said to me one day he said oh the waves the waves just keep rolling and I don't know if Laura would speak to that but what he was saying was there was ebbs and flows and highs and lows for him you know day in day out and like Deborah just said you know one minute we were laughing telling stories and the next minute, we were very emotional as we were, I suppose, in a low point. Um, is that normal, Laura? Yes, yeah, yeah. So I was just very involved in Deborah's story there. Sorry, <laughs> cheering. So thank you, Deborah. It's lovely. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, with emotions, um, that that's what happened. Uh, emotions and feelings, um, and whenever you lose lose something whether it's a life or you've lost a, a relationship or whatever it is there's all they're all forms and parts of grief um and when you're talking about grieving especially sudden death um it's devastating um and it churns up so many emotions that they can come in floods or you can be really numb and people around you might expect a certain way for someone to respond but there should be no expectation on how anyone should grieve and i think that's really lovely that 
Deborah said and pointed out that her siblings all grieved in a, in a different way. Um, the time frame is different for everyone. Um, I did a, like a little drawing. I was going to show people <laughs> to do a little example if you can see it. It's a bit. So um, I've drawn you a picture just to help sort of understand a little bit how grief, when we talk about people might expect grief to go away, or sometimes people talk about stages of grief. There is never any stages of grief now. We understand that grieving is a process and it can and it's a continuous process over time but how it impacts us can um can be minimized but it never goes away so this this um image that i show you um is a circle and the outside circle is of yourself um and then inside is a, a much bigger circle and um, takes up a lot of space there's not a lot of room and it's going to hit your sides and when it hits your sides you will experience a for an emotion or reaction, um, you might behave in a certain way, but what it's coming down to is that is that loss and that grief and potential pain or unrest that you're feeling around that. Um, and then gradually over time and as life continues and you um, more often than not, people do um, get back to everyday life. They adjust um, uh, to, to living again. Um, and this ball will get smaller. Um, and 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 then the size, depending what happens, there could be an external thing that happens that could shake you around a bit and that ball might hit you. Um, then it gets down to a, maybe a tiny, tiny spot, but it's still there. So never be shocked if your grief comes up again. Never think that I've already grieved this. I've been to a counselor. I've talked things through with people. I've had prayer. I've, you know, how can I possibly still be feeling or reacting this way so many months, years, decades later to let you know that 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 person um, was always going to be a memory there. They're always going to be touching your life in some way. Um, and that, um, but that ball is still there, so it could get knocked around. So it's mm -hmm. never to judge yourselves, to be kind on each other and to understand that part mm -hmm. of the process and all that part of the emotion and feeling. Um, the other thing is when I said that it, um, over time, for some people, it can be um, very suffocating, um, that it's stopping them from moving forward. Um, and so that's when you would be recommended to go and spend some time with someone that you trust, um, whether it is a faith leader um, a counsellor or go see your doctor to get some roots. Um, I've got some support lines and numbers that I was going to share that maybe we could put up in the newsletter. Um, because also on that, there's some amazing fact sheets to know what's the what's within the norm, because often people start to question, is there something wrong with me? Am I becoming ill in myself? Is my mental health become quite unwell now? Or is this just a normal part of grieving? I had someone ask me, what's the difference between grief and depression? And, um, and that was quite a good question. So I was like, oh yeah, they look really similar, those signs and symptoms, but grief is a natural thing. And like, you know, you know, it's um, two, like two, three, four, even months, I think this is the first couple of months, it's expected to feel that. But if you're still finding that you're not kind of embarking or being able to gauge in what's healthy or good for you, then, then it could actually um, move into a form of depression or anxiety or something like that. And that's why it's worth having a chat with someone just to support you through um, what you've been through and what you're feeling. Mm, that's great. Like I, I'll use myself as an example, like two different, very, two very different scenarios. I've lost both my parents, um, my dad very recently, late last year, a couple months ago, but my mum 24 years ago almost, and the difference in the grief, even though they were both sick for some time and we knew that they, they were terminal in their illness, um, but you know, with mum, she was so much younger. She was in her 40s. 
we were all in our early 20s. My brother was still at university. Um, the shock and then the, the long tail of the grief, I think, was, was greater because we were processing our loss from the perspective of we've missed out on so much. You know, yeah. mum yeah. was at my wedding uh, just, you know, not long early, earlier. She was at my brother's 21st, but that was it. She wasn't there for her grandchildren. She wasn't there for, you know, future events in the family. And we, we really struggled for a longer time to deal with it because we felt there was so much more of life. And then last year with my dad, uh, incredibly sad to lose, you know, one of your parents. But the grief was different because dad had lived a full life. Dad, you know, he'd been part of our lives for, so, for such a long time. He had you know, remarried, been married for 20 years. Um, they'd had a good, you know, second wave of their life together, which we celebrated. Um, but I, I just agreeing with, with Laura that just two totally different scenarios and neither one is right or wrong. Um, and I just share that because obviously in the context of Stu's passing, it was a sudden death. He was in his early 50s, not expected to pass away and was a vibrant contributing member of so many different areas of the community. That just means that there's so many different types of loss yeah. Uh, yeah. for his family and for our community to, to deal with. Yeah, I think with that sudden one, people have to acknowledge that actually a trauma response happens. Um, and actually, um, again, it's, it's very similar to grief. You know, all, it affects our emotions, it affects us physically um, and mentally. So I think, yeah, especially with the sudden losses, there, there, there's that shock that sets in for people as well. Um, and so there's the numbing, there's the anger, there's the um, the whys, the what's, you know, all those sort of questionings come out. And I, and I do really like the way that Deborah spoke about and people questioning um, what they believe in. Yeah. You know, I think that's a big thing that comes up. I think even those that have often had quite a strong faith can sometimes wobble a bit because why would God take that person from me right now sort of comes into the, the thought processes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, the, the analogy or and the story look, that, that Laura shared with the, the ball and bouncing around inside of it and it hits you. Yeah. You know, I remember for years, uh, Mother's Day was a trigger for me because, you know, I didn't have mum around. Uh, we were celebrating mm. Kathy as a mum in our home. Uh, but that was obviously a small, you know, over the long time, it was something that would just bounce around and knock me over a bit. Um, and I think what I've learned is that emotions, when they come to the surface, they're just... Um, a signpost that points to something. So I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling lost or I'm feeling um, angry even. What's that pointing to? What, what, what is it? What, what's my need in that moment? And how can I safely address that need? Do I need comfort? Do I need confidence? Do I need security? Do I need a hug? Do I need a walk? Do I need some chocolate? You know, uh, but all of those things in a healthy balance um, can help address that need, but help which help with um, with the emotion that that certainly in my case that I was experiencing. Mm, on those practical things, I think what's really important for people to remember is um, particularly um, after the imminent death of somebody passing is um, to do the saying of take day by day. You know, because I think people sometimes think they should be doing X, Y, and Z, or I should be doing this, or I should be doing that, or other people expect people to be doing or not doing things. And I think it's just take it day by day. Now, if you see somebody who's grieving, um, what's the best way of su supporting them? And, and particularly, are there things that you maybe shouldn't say to them? It's... Laura. Who wants to go first? Um, yeah. 
That's a great question. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I just wanted to reflect on from what Deborah shared right at the beginning and the way that she worked through her situation with her dad, I love it. It's so good. She said she started praying for her dad's needs. And I just want to say that um, praying for people was really, really good. Um, and and But one thing that really helps us is when we when we seek to serve someone else's betterment. And, and so what, what I would say is I've found is that like not thinking just about me and making my whole world about me, but going, how can I give myself in service to someone else? And, and I've, I've found that as people do that um, in a healthy way, in a healthy balance, acknowledging self, acknowledging others, that it does, it does help the healing because you know, we heal together as we journey together. And so I would just say one of the ways if you see something, just you don't even need to offer to pray. You just have to remember people in your prayers, lift them up before God, ask Him to be their comforter, and um, and really bless them with you know the the prayers of peace and the and the prayers of comfort and the and the and the, and the confidence that God is near to all, all people at all times. That's what omnipresent is, right? He can be anywhere, everywhere at the same moment. So so whilst we might feel alone, the reality is we're not alone because God is with us. Absolutely. So, um, Laura's uh, point that not to expect things out of people, because sometimes um, what, I mean, I, I don't recall ever having that experience, but maybe um, for people that have grieved for longer or grieved in a different way too, it would be difficult to have someone say, um, oh, you've been grieving for too long. Or you, I mean, there is a healthy balance. There is a health, you know, like, like Laura has said, sometimes there are signs that maybe you need some extra help. But um, just got to be careful not to put our expectations onto other people of how someone should be grieving. And would you agree with that, Laura? Yeah, I think sometimes I think it comes down to... Um, our own discomfort so um so when we're with somebody who maybe um there might be some people that begin to cry or they've been crying a lot and and, and if and some people don't feel comfortable in that so they want to finish the crying very quickly you know like let's just calm it down you're okay or, or they're there or okay and trying to stop that but um crying is an emotion and actually that's allowing um it's an outlet and that people need that and and the other thing is um as we're naturally, we like to fix things and we like to give solutions and we like to offer support and advice, you know, like people naturally out of a goodwill, but actually sometimes silence is really good. Just sitting and being with people because often you've, a person has a lot going on in their mind and if you're speaking in that headspace, it's actually um, more overwhelming for them and not helping by sitting in sitting with them or silence or doing an activity like going for a walk or whatever you know you can get people out but it's um not necessarily telling them what you think they need to be doing right now um and maybe if they want to talk about how they're feeling by giving that silence sometimes people will begin to speak into that space themselves when they're ready which in a way is helpful to yeah. them but others they might not want to but i think we've got to be careful that we're not giving people solutions or telling them what they should be it's more about hearing what they need um you know so I know historically, like people might have come to me in, in times of, of grief and stuff. And um, 
I literally am quite good on my own, you know, like, whereas, you know, other people, and it became too much in my, in my world to have too many people, I only needed a few, you know, and it's just, and other people, um, people um, really appreciate their house being clean. But I had a friend once that said it was the most embarrassing thing of her life, people folding up her undies and cleaning her toilet stressed her out more than the help of cleaning, whereas I accept cleaning anytime. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I don't have that concern you know but so I guess it's just asking what what could help you and then mm -hmm. making one or two suggestions of what could help you um because yeah. again too many choices is too too much for people when they've got a lot going on yeah yeah one of the things that uh techniques that I've I'm like I'm not very good at um reading it sometimes in an emotional situation but instead of making an assumption oh you need time out you need coffee you need chocolate one of the, the ways that rather than make a mistake is to maybe pose it as a question rather than an assumption. Yeah. You know, um, what's important to you right now is a better question than can I do something for you? You know, because yeah. they might literally want to sit holding your hand and not talk. But if you give, if you give them the opportunity to say that, to answer the question, yeah. then, you know, you could simply say, I'd like to be there for you what's important to you right now and then yeah. leave it with them and if they say nothing then zip it just don't fill yeah. the gap yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, the other one is working out oh sorry i was just going to say the other thing is it's not always maybe us but we can see the need and know that they have other people and asking oh who who who's in your world at the moment or who's your support person so questioning it as in who is it makes the makes them Very sort good. of say who it is or if they haven't then they'll say whereas if you've got if you say have you got support you go yeah 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 i'm all good i'm all good whereas actually if you say who have you got supporting you or who's around okay. at the moment um is a way of checking in because people can have communities or people around them yeah already mm, very yeah. good yeah but i'd like what you said before laura about how you know just being there for people and just listening is a, a whole lot better than offering advice a lot of times for a lot of different situations mm, yeah i think one of the um obvious yeah. things for us to talk about is uh where is god in all this um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think that's a great question with with um, perhaps not sufficient qualifications in the room to answer that question. But certainly we have perspective <laughs> because we yeah. each have a relationship with God. And, you know, one of the things that has really helped me over the, the last few years, especially is to come to the realization that God's in control, not me, and he can do what he likes. And I have had to give up my perceived right to have all my questions answered. God does not have to answer our questions. God will, can comfort us without answering our questions. And, you know, especially in shock and trauma, we often go to why. We often personalize things because we're feeling hurt or a victim. Uh, and and God, God wants to comfort us, but sometimes not answering our question is the best thing for us. So I think without getting, you know, high and mighty about it, the, the simple answer is literally god is always with us god is always loving towards us but god god doesn't always do what we want yeah. and we just have to sometimes grow up and accept that uh, and i don't mean to be disrespectful by saying it in that way um but i think that's the best sometimes that's been the best thing to help me is like it sucks i hate this i'm lonely yeah. but i don't get to call the shots because i'm not god yeah, well, I actually love the book of Job. I, I really love reading it. 
I know a lot of people don't like that book, but I just find a, a really good read. Um, and like Job, he lost so much. He lost his he's lost his kids, he lost his farmland, and he lost um, so much. And God never explained why to him. Um, and the reality is, yes, he did get restored again, but he didn't get restored the same kids again. Yes, you know, like sure, the farmland would be the same farmland, but, you know, he, he would always be missing those kids that um, died the first time. And whilst he was restored, but God, you know, and if you read the story of Job, um, yeah, God never explains to him why. He just says, look, I am the Lord, um, you know, and comes in and, yeah. Yeah, I, so, I, I agree with that. Like just this week, literally this Monday, just gone, I opened up the book of Job. I skipped the negative part at the beginning and the confusing part in the middle. And I went to chapter 38 because that's when God yeah. starts talking. He's like, I've listened enough. Now you're going to listen to me. Do you yeah. contain the wind? Do you put the hail in the storm in its box? Do you yeah. contain the seas of the shore and their boundaries? And for two or three chapters, he just, God speaks and puts perspective yeah. back into our world yeah. from his perspective. And, and I, I, I would share that to anyone that's struggling to comprehend the why is, why, why would God make this happen? Is let's just get a real healthy perspective of who God is. He is the omnipotent creator of all things who has existed for all, always. Like time is not, not part of the equation. And, and, and for me, that grounds me. I think, um, oh, sorry. Uh, for me, um, this, this is a different situation, but I think you can apply it even in, in after grief has happened. But um, God really spoke to me um, while my dad was sick and gave me verses that comforted me. Um, for me, um, I knew that I was going to be without a father. I knew that was coming and God comforted me with the verses about I'll be a father to the fatherless. And um, I, I remember that bit because I was that, but I know that he also talks about looking after the widow and I think that um, if I know there are times where you can't come up with any, I, I think I was saying to my Phil the other day, sometimes um, you can't find these big nuggets in the Bible because you're just too filled with grief and, and you can turn on some, um, some music and God can minister to you that and, and the music's just coming in and the words are coming in and, and that can be a comfort to you. Other times it might be that you read the Bible and, and a verse comes out and God just reassures you that he loves you, that he's there for you. And the verse, uh, the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit being a comforter. So you know that he is there and he's willing and able to actually comfort you in these times where you just can't come up with the answers yourself. You're just beyond what you can do for yourself. Um, and God is willing and able and wants to actually comfort you in these times. For me, um, when and, and this may be a, a comfort to some people as far, you know, in this circumstance, um, when my dad passed, I, I just really um, just had a picture in my head of dad um, dancing and being able to move with the freedom that he hadn't had after his stroke. Mm. 
I knew that he was in heaven. Um, I mean, that's a fantastic thing um, about the situation with Stu. We know where he is. Yeah. We know that he's in heaven. We know um, that he's, you know, he, he's singing and dancing and having a fantastic time, doing all the things that he loves. Um, you know, that's that's a great thing. At least we we do have that hope and that knowledge to hold on to um and we know that we will see him again and that for me was was a great thing um you know with my dad was knowing I'm going to see him again one day I know where he is we were really blessed because um before my parents went on that holiday my dad um had they had it because they knew there was a potential he might you know his time was limited um they had a minister come and he um, went through his salvation with him again. He recommitted his life um, to God. So we knew where he was. We knew that he'd made that commitment. We knew that he was right with God. Um, so that to me was, was a great um, comfort, you know, and I think that's a comfort that we can have in this circumstance because we know where Stu is. We know that he's, you know, yes. the, the thing in this situation is, um, He's not unhappy. It's it's us that's unhappy because he was a fantastic friend. He was a fantastic um, part of our community, and um, and that shows in the fact that there is so many people grieving for him. Yeah, one of the tools that we I use when I'm helping people with who are struggling with their circumstances is in prayer, in conversation with God. Um, we can ask a question of God, and that's quite simply. God, would you show me where you are in this situation? Would you reveal yourself to me? And I've had numerous situations where in prayer, uh, people have had a picture or they've had a feeling that's just given them the confident assurance that God has not abandoned them, that he's working in the situation or that he's, he's um, comforting them. And, you know, if someone is feeling alone uh, or that God's let them down or they're angry at God. I mean, he's big enough to handle your emotions, bring your emotions to him, but ask him the question, God, would you show me where you are right now? How close are you to me? Uh, he is a loving father yeah. who delights in revealing himself to his children. He does not hold it back because he's not stingy. He's not grumpy. He's not trying to make you fearful. He's trying to reassure you. And uh, for me, the story of Hagar is a real big encouragement there. Hagar, the servant of, of Sarah, gets rejected. She gets kicked out into the desert. And God comes and says, I am the God who sees you. And, and that, to me, just the first time I read that story, it just blew me away. God is the God who sees me. And I'm not alone, even when I feel like I am. I was just going to, um, can I just add like a little testimony thing? Please. <laughs> um, but I just, um, as you were talking about God and where's God and, and, and all this, I was just thinking of a couple of times I've had quite significant grief occur in my life and um, for someone who lives not at home overseas with no family around when those big griefs occur um, you can feel most lonely and I just distinctly remember um, months after a particular grief that was still very raw I remember driving in the car and I funny enough wasn't actually listening to Christian music or worship music it was a particular song and suddenly it just struck me and I um, I had to pull over and I was just down the road from where I was living and I pulled over and I just sobbed and sobbed so much it was that painful sobbing 
and I felt the presence of God hold me. Wow. And I just knew God was there and he was my comforter wow. and he was allowing me to grieve and let out all that was in there. Um, I think there was historic grief too, and it was just all coming up. But he, in that moment, in a car, I felt the presence of God hug me wow. and allow me to have that grief. Beautiful. And the other one I was going to say was that also with God bless him, um, I, I take a lot out of David's book of Psalms and I am, and I am, tell God that I'm pretty upset I don't understand and I'll cry and I'll be upset with him over a grief that's occurred or something that's happened um and yet I know that unconditional love um of a parent but of God you know is there and I can say those things um and still feel very comforted by him in that moment yeah um and I guess I'm saying that he's like you were saying he's big enough he takes it it is okay don't suppress upset anger fear annoyance whatever the, the the feelings that come with losing someone or um yeah that grief process that grief that you're feeling very good he's his, mm. his shoulders are big enough to handle all of our emotions anger grief yeah. sadness you know we can shout mm. as loud as we want we can cry as quiet as we want god hears it all and yeah. uh, for me one of the, yeah. the vivid memories that god reminded me of in a time of my suffering there was a time when my parents, I was like five or six, my parents went away. And I think it was it's the first time I can remember that they'd gone away from us as children. Uh, and it was quite, quite, I'm going to say traumatic, it's probably a little bit. It felt traumatic when I was that age. And I remember my dad coming home from that holiday. And I, I vividly remember running down the path of my friend's house where I was staying and leaping into my dad's embrace and just burying my head in his chest and, and just with delight, even just crying. I was so excited he was home. And God reminded me of that. And he says, that's the father I am to you always. No matter how old you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, that's the father I am to you always. And that really helps me when I'm feeling sad, upset, disappointed, rejected, lonely, or angry. I know that he's the God I can run to and just bury my face, not literally, but metaphorically, I can just bury my face in, in his world, into his life, into his love. And, and, and what, what washes over me is the peace that, that God is in, in control. I'd also just like to add there that God places people often around you in the right time and the right space. And you never know whether you're that vessel for somebody or you just happen to be there um, because I know that, um, you know, recently, you know, that there's been stuff that can happen for people in their grief and just that person that knocks on your door happens to have called by for something else, but then is there in that moment to hear what's going on and see it and to then offer practical, come back later with a meal, give you some flowers to cheer your, your room up, you know, invite you for a walk, you know, all those things can, um, yeah, God, God uses the humans. It does. It Very does. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I've had, like, not for a brief situation, but for another thing I was struggling with, I was dealing with something so much, and I just had a, a friend ring out of the blue and just tell me all the things I needed to hear. Not even a Christian, you know, it's like, wow, that was just God. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got confidence that that person will one day come to faith because she obviously heard his voice then mm. to ring me like she did. And um, so... Yeah, um, and absolutely, God places um, people around you. Um, yeah, mm, very cool. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I also just wanted to add when we were talking about the grieving side of it, um, that 
some people may find that um, with this occurrence that it will bring up or remind them or be a trigger for um, experiences that they've had of grief. Like I have found with, um, like if someone passes away that I'm not as close to, but that I know or, um, you know, that it, it will bring up that grief I, I find that there can be triggers I can see someone that reminds me of my dad or um, but I, I have found sometimes um, in these times when someone passes away it can bring up that grief again of not not to the same extent but it can bring up that grief again of when my dad passed away so I'm wondering if there's going to be people in our church at the moment or in the community that that may be um, something that happens for them, that if they've lost a loved one, um, that this will bring that up again for them and that that might be something that they may need to deal with um, or they may need support in. Um, because, yeah, I, I just found at times like this that um, I can almost grieve for that person more than I would have otherwise because it reminds me of my father passing away. Um, that sort of ties in with what you said earlier, doesn't it, Laura, that um, there can be times where it, it's triggered. Yeah. 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 I think a good thing is to, is to take it to God and, and say, you know, this is what I'm feeling. What is, what is this feeling pointing to? And he might say, look, you know, there's, there's, there's something there that he wants to bring healing to that we didn't realize we'd been carrying or there's an unmet need that we need to express uh, either to God or to or someone else. Uh, but I think the point is not to ignore it, not to suppress it, uh, not to do it alone. Uh, find a safe person um, that you're willing to sit with, pray with, and invite God to bring his love into that situation. And, and look, that's, how we're, that's why we're doing this in this forum is that we want to show that it's not one person leading a community through grief. It's, it's, it's a communal uh, relationship and, yeah. and journey that each one contributes to uh, and in fact like um, you know a couple of people have said I think both the ladies have said is that God will use people as part of that and yeah. look maybe God wants to use you if you're watching this and you're not feeling such an emotional connection to it uh, then there's a high chance that you're going to be the messenger for someone else so yeah. open your heart be ready say God I would love for you to use me in this situation as only you can um who would you like me to bless this week and how would you like me to bless them uh because you know we, we can do this together and that's the point of this uh this sort of corridor that we're having right now yeah and i, I just i don't know if there's people watching that but there might be some people there that don't know jesus christ so they're tuned into this because of um this is where Stu goes to church and they want to and this is uh, largely as a result of um of Stu's passing that we've decided to do this take a break from it normally and we, we just encourage you look if you don't know Jesus Christ if you don't have that relationship with God then you are missing out on something massive he has comforted us in so many ways um, there's just a great community of faith and we just encourage you to just find some Christians like contact us contact uh, the church contact Phil contact this Phil um, and Lord reach out to us and we would love to um, encourage you to start that journey of faith um, because honestly I don't know how people do life without 
of faith in Jesus Christ. Um, it's just means so much to me. It's got me through so many um, tough times and will get me through so many more. Um, but so I just want to encourage you, if anyone is watching this and they think, well, you're talking about God, but I don't know what you mean by relationship with God, please, please reach out to us because we really want to um, encourage you to start that faith journey. Uh, it's the best thing you could ever do. Mm, that's very good, Phil. Thanks for bringing that up. I'm looking yeah. at the time, and I just think we might—I might close in prayer, um, yeah. wrap it all up because you've landed it really, really well there. Um, sure. So I'll just pray. Um, Almighty God, we thank you that uh, you are always with us, and for each one watching this, each one uh, that's journeying through some loss or some grief or some trauma, we ask God that you'd first reveal yourself to be their comfort, as uh, Deborah said, you are the Holy Spirit who is our comfort. Yes. And so, God, would you reveal yourself as? the comfort for those who need comfort. Would you also, God, reveal yourself as a loving father to those who are lonely, that are feeling rejected or abandoned, that feel like, Lord, that circumstances are too great for them to uh, be able to deal with. God, I pray that, you know, as Laura shared, that they would uh, stop the car, so to speak, and just cry out to God and that you would be the God that would wrap them up in your embrace. Uh, almighty God, for those that are searching that have not yet really um, resolved that issue of faith, we do pray that you would give them the boldness to reach out to someone, to reach out to a Christian they know, to reach out to a church in their area where they can uh, find someone safe that would help them yes. to understand that they are loved by God, that God delights in who they are, and that he, he wants to uh, begin a relationship and a journey with them. We pray that they would find you in that. And God, we do pray peace over our community, that our community in the time of loss and, and confusion would know God Almighty is on the throne. He is in control and he's leading us towards uh, a connection with him always. So I bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.